Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. California has received about 1.3 million doses of coronavirus vaccine so far, but only about 35% of those doses have actually been injected into the arms of waiting Californians. In his first press conference of 2021 held yesterday, Governor Gavin Newsom pledged that the pace of vaccination distribution will accelerate. We are working aggressively to accelerate our pace. We've said this from day one, it's like a flywheel. First 10, 15 days, we're going to slowly start building pace and you're going to start seeing the rap- more rapid distribution of this vaccine. I can assure you that. The governor said additional people like dentists and pharmacy techs will be used to speed up COVID vaccination rates. He also said the budget he'll submit to the legislature this week will include $300 million to support vaccination logistics, IT support and public education. And staying on the governor, people who are angry with Newsom, especially over his response to the coronavirus pandemic, are gathering signatures now in an attempt to qualify a recall measure in a special election. A million and a half verified signatures have to be collected by March 17th, and backers say they already have over 900,000. I spoke to Randy Economy, a strategist for the recall Newsom campaign. We began by talking about the need, as he sees it, for a recall. I think the main reason why we want to recall Gavin Newsom is because of Gavin Newsom himself and the way he's conducted himself and continues to conduct himself every single day as the chief executive officer of, you know, the fifth largest economy in the world. He has completely shut down every single business he can get his hands on and people have had it and they're tired and they're taking the actions and taking, taking this campaign completely into their own hands. And that's kind of what we're seeing right now. It's a, it's a phenomenon and something I've never seen in politics since I've been involved since 1984. Well, I think a lot of supporters of Governor Newsom would say the reason he shut down much of the economy was because of the coronavirus, not because he wanted to hurt businesses. Newsom, after all, is trying to fight a pandemic. Uh, well, why, why is the pandemic still going guns then if he, if he did the right thing to shut down the economy of in, in the livelihoods of everybody? It's still out of control. I mean, nothing, nothing, he's accomplished nothing by, by destroying so many people's economic lives. But could it not be argued that as terrible as the pandemic is in California, it could have been even worse without the actions taken by the governor? How, how terrible does a situation have to become when it's still terrible? He has, he has failed on every single thing he's done regarding this pandemic. Critics of the recall campaign say a lot of your major donors are conservative activists and pro-Trump supporters. Do you acknowledge that? Uh, what I acknowledge is the fact that this, this is not about uh, being you know, pro-Trump or, or anti-Trump. This has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It has everything to do with Gavin Newsom. And why resort to a recall versus doing other things, fighting Newsom in the court of public opinion or in the legislature or getting him to change his mind? Uh, why the recall? Uh, the recall campaign is our last resort. He doesn't care about public opinion. He doesn't care about anything that happens in the court. The only thing that matters is that there are 
hundreds of thousands of people right now actively engaged in our recall, and that's that's the only recourse we had to be able to pursue. And under legal California election laws, we we pulled that trigger, and here we are today on the on the on the on the doorsteps of making this recall a reality. Okay, Randy Economy of the Recall Newsom campaign. Thanks so much. Thank you, Saul. And let's stay on the recall campaign. California's former top elections watchdog is calling for the state to investigate the largest donor to the campaign to recall Governor Newsom. KQED politics reporter Gary Maserati has more. Ann Ravel is the former chair of the national and state commissions overseeing election law. She wants the state to look into Proverbs 3-9. That's the name of the Orange County company that donated half a million dollars to a committee pursuing the recall of Governor Newsom. Ravel suspects the company was donating money it received from other contributors who would need to disclose their identities under state law. When you look at the background of this LLC, it apparently is really not in business to do anything. Um, And so it seems on its face to have just been a pass-through for this amount of money for a political campaign. A representative for the firm did not return a request for comment. The California Fair Political Practices Commission says they're reviewing the request for an investigation, which could take a few weeks. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. The state corrections department has reported 19 COVID-related deaths of incarcerated people this week, more than any other week since the pandemic began. 45 people died over the course of the month. KQED's Kate Wolf reports outbreaks are still rampant. After months of staving off a coronavirus outbreak, the Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla is now dealing with over 500 cases. Colby Lenz is an advocate with the California Coalition for Women Prisoners. She says the prison has run out of quarantine space, conditions are unsanitary, and inmates' mental health is strained. We need better conditions to try to save people's lives in those positive units and also, you know, including the risk of suicide, which we've seen escalate across the state under COVID conditions generally and then specifically in those COVID-positive units. CDCR says it provides mental health services, including telehealth visits, to all inmates who need it. That was KQED's Kate Wolf. A California advisory board is calling on police agencies to review their officers' social media accounts and department-issued cell phones and computers to make sure they aren't showing racist or other problematic behavior. The Racial and Identity Profiling Advisory Board analyzed close to 4 million vehicle and pedestrian stops by the state's 15 largest law enforcement agencies in 2019. The board found that people who were perceived as black, were searched at two and a half times the rate of people perceived as white. Let's turn to energy. California regulators have failed to meet a deadline to create new safety and health rules for oil drilling in the state. KQED's Alex Hall has more. A draft of the health and safety regulations, which aim to protect communities living and working near oil and gas production operations, was supposed to be released last month. But the state agency that oversees California's oil and gas industries announced last week it would post the draft rules in the spring after input from a panel of public health experts. Holland Kretzman, an attorney with the Center for Biological Diversity's Climate Law Institute, says the rulemaking process has already been underway for a year. And they've had every opportunity to listen to the health experts and the public has submitted mountains of evidence showing that these oil and gas projects are dangerous. 
Under consideration are setbacks, or buffer zones, between oil drilling sites and homes, schools, and playgrounds. For the California Report, I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair, available wherever you get your podcasts. In many parts of California that were ravaged by wildfires last year, this rainy season brings welcome relief, but also new risks, namely debris flows. KAZU's Michelle Loxton reports from the Monterey Peninsula, where officials are warning about the danger. When wildfire moves across the landscape, soil is burnt, vegetation is charred, and that's what triggers concern about debris flows. Kevin Cooper is a retired U.S. service biologist and led the team that looked into these risks after the Dolan fire in the Big Sur area. He explains how wildfire perpetuates debris flows. It drives some of the oils and uh, waxes and resins down into the soil where it recondenses into a, a kind of a waterproof layer. It's called a hydrophobic layer. And that water repellent layer can cause the rainfall that comes to uh, flow and sheet off of that. And because of this, the most vulnerable areas are those in the vicinity of recent wildfires. Kelsey Scanlon is an emergency services planner for Monterey County. We were really looking at a mile to two miles away from each of the burn scars. The county has identified over 1,300 homes within one mile of the burn scars of the River, Carmel and Dolan fires. Here's a simple way, according to Scanlon, to assess your home's vulnerability. If you can look up and you see a burn slope, to some degree, you're at risk. In Santa Cruz County, debris flows around the CZU Lightning Complex burn scar could affect more than 1,000 homes, mostly in the San Lorenzo Valley. The debris flow hazard after the fire here is probably one of the most acute things that I've had to deal with in my career. That's Jeffrey Nolan, the Santa Cruz County geologist. As part of their emergency preparations, the county studied the 2018 Montecito debris flow in Southern California, where many ignored evacuation orders. They estimated that only 25% of the people that were supposed to evacuate for the debris flows evacuated, whereas 75% of the people evacuated for the fire. We really took that to heart here. Nolan explains why people should take debris flow evacuation orders just as seriously as wildfire ones. They're very rapid. You can't really outrun them generally. They often happen at 2 o'clock in the morning when it's pouring down rain. Brian Garcia is with the National Weather Service. And although he says this winter is forecasted to be drier than normal in the Monterey and San Francisco Bay areas. However, that said, dot, dot, dot. All of the rain that we get for the winter could come in one or two storms. 
And this isn't a short-term risk. Vegetation and soils can take a long time to recover after a fire, meaning there's a possibility of debris flows locally for the next three to five years. For the California Report, I'm Michelle Loxton in Monterey County. Finally this morning, in last November's election, some outspoken left-of-center candidates got elected to the city councils of some of the state's largest cities, like Los Angeles, San Diego, and Oakland. It was in Oakland yesterday that veteran community organizer Carol Fife was sworn in as a new city council member. Fife is an architect of Moms for Housing, a collective which got national attention last year when a group of homeless mothers took over a vacant West Oakland home. She's pledged to come back real estate speculation in office. During her first speech as an elected official, Fife called the potential of the current moment transformational. It will require all of us to pick up the mantle and sacrifice, but the reality is there are large segments of our community that have been sacrificing forever. And equity means that everyone gets a chance and an opportunity to thrive. Fife will represent parts of Oakland that have seen big changes in recent years due to gentrification. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, January 5th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. If you want more news from around the state, check out our daily podcast. It includes stories from both of our newscasts. I'm Saul Gonzalez in L.A. Have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash Adapting Care. California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about health care, on the web at chcf.org slash voices, and Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together, on the web at schmidtfutures.com. Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions. Online or through Star One's mobile app, Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers. Recognize the badge of my office. I'm Suki Lewis. From KQED Podcasts comes On Our Watch Season 2, New Folsom. A story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts.